Welcome to the Twinkle Trainee to ECT podcast. My name's Simeon. I was a teacher for eight years. I worked as a maths lead, a humanities lead. I was a student teacher mentor, and I'm just very passionate about helping teachers begin their career on the right foot. And hello, I'm Ashley. I'm also a former primary school teacher working predominantly in Key Stage 2 in Year 4 and Year 5. And I also have experience as a one-to-one LSA working across the whole of the primary school, um, working in different years. And yet we're just wanting to be able to help you with any aspect of your training or your ECT years. Today's show is all about job hunting, specifically how to begin your job hunt in the most positive way. Ashley and I are going to be discussing this in depth and sharing our top tips. And we have an interview from Sophie. She's our Twinkle Digest writer. She's been talking with trainees. She's been talking with ECTs and doing a lot of research on job hunting. So I'm really looking forward to that. And as always, you can find us on various social media platforms. So if you want to reach out to us and ask any questions, then please don't hesitate to do so. We have two pages on Facebook called the Twinkle Training Teachers page and the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs page. We are also on Instagram as the Twinkle Training Teachers. And we do have a TikTok as well, which again is the Twinkle Training Teachers. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Trainee Twinkle, no E. And you can also find our lovely Pinterest boards. Donna's been doing a fabulous job on there. And we are at Twinkle Trainee Teachers, or one word on Pinterest. This episode will be available on Spotify, Apple as well. Now we'll be on iTunes. And you can find us through our Red Circle page. Uh, So last time, Ashley, we were discussing time-saving tips. And just before we start today, I wanted to drop a few time-saving tips um, people have been posting to us on Twitter. So I really appreciate... Yeah, I really appreciate people getting involved with the show. And if you'd like to, you know, give us some tips you've discovered on job hunting, please do get in touch with us. Uh, So the first tip was from a secondary teacher we're both primary so it was nice to get a secondary tip and they said Mm -hmm. they found it easier to plan by year group rather than plan by day because it means they could link the lessons more effectively nice yeah the next tip and i think um this is something you and i would both agree with was to find a buddy when you go into a school who knows the school knows how it operates and knows how to save you time definitely safety in numbers 100 percent. yeah and and that investing in relationships can seem like it's going to take time but often it ends up saving you time and the last tip is along the similar vein if you're having issues behavioral issues with a particular student try setting aside some time to get to know them and this might save you time in the long run Mm, interesting very good tips Yeah, thank you for those. And I'll hand over to Ashley for our first bit of job hunting advice. Yeah. So to begin with, we wanted to be to to think where you would start. And that just leads us on to the the where, where you are going to be looking for your jobs when you're sitting there and having to think about what you want to be doing and what schools you might be applying for. You need to be thinking of the websites that you can look at. So I've had a bit of a research and had a bit of a look. 
And I'm going to start off bigger and then get smaller and smaller. So the first website that you can look up is the gov.uk website. As you can filter it by postcode, so it's nearer to your house or where you're wanting to be working. You can also filter it by different preferences because they have all of the teaching jobs in the country on there at the time or a large proportion of them anyway so obviously there'll be a lot of secondary schools and primary school teacher jobs on there so obviously if you are a primary school teacher you want to filter it by that and you can also put some keywords in there so that would be a first point of call really and that covers like i said every job in the country that's been posted on there secondary if you want to you can look at your local council website which is actually how i did my searching when I was looking for jobs. So I would go onto my local council website. And again, you filter it down by your preferences, but it is a little bit more specific to your area and you're not going to get overwhelmed with all of the jobs in the country. Uh, because yeah. you don't, you don't, if you're living in the north, you don't want to be knowing about jobs down in the south because it's just not feasible to get there, is it? That, that's exactly what I used when I found my job as well. Yeah, definitely. And also what you what you can be doing is having a look at different councils that are near you because I know for myself where I live there are some boundary lines that actually I wouldn't realise were in a different council so I would just be having a look at your local area see what councils are there and see if there's any different ones and that you can be looking at as well that can be really useful and thirdly this this for me was a little rarer but sometimes if you know people or you know a friend of a friend, you might know that there is a job coming up at a particular school. You can look on specific schools' websites and they normally have a vacancy tab and they can sometimes be posting the vacancies directly on the website. You can also, if you have a preferred school that you want to work at, maybe you trained there or maybe you've heard of it or maybe it was your primary school yourself, you might just want to keep having a look on their websites just to see if they ever update them. And there are jobs on there. But yeah, those, I can't think of any other real places to look. I think they're the main three. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think some schools, especially private, might advertise in local papers. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I as a matter of course, I go to your local council website. I think that's yeah. probably the best, best one to start with. Um, so the next thing we wanted to cover, I see this question come up on Twitter all the time. It's <laughs> when should I start looking for jobs? And I even saw someone this week, they were panicking that, you know, it's too late. All the jobs are gone. That's it. Um, please don't panic. I will say you can start looking now. Okay, this mm-hmm. this podcast is going out mid-February or maybe at the end of February. Uh, the prime time for most teaching jobs to come up is around Easter, after Easter, I'd say, mm-hmm. because Easter is the last point um, teachers can hand in their notice if they're going to leave at the end of the year. Teachers actually have to give a lot of notice. Now, that doesn't mean no other jobs will come up because there's always maternity leave or people leave because of ill health or all kinds of reasons. But after that Easter deadline of um, this is the last day you can hand in your notice, that's when most teaching jobs will be up. So I'd advise you having your application in a really good um, place by that point. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. As well, um, 
Well, it's, it's really good that we mentioned this as well, because I think the comparison, especially if you are a trainee and you and you know that other trainees have secured jobs, I think you can get really, really stressed around this time of the year. But yeah, you don't need to panic yet. It's okay. No, not, not <laughs> at all. And it, it, it is so hard when you see other people getting jobs. It puts a lot of pressure on you. But, you know, it's it's not a race. Everyone's going to find somewhere that's right for them. And sometimes it's better not to find somewhere than find the wrong place. Yeah, 100%. You want the right school for you. You don't want to be jumping and putting your application in early when it's not quite ready because obviously you might not be successful with that and that can be a negative for you and, and you might not feel great about that. But also if you do end up you know, being being successful and it's not the right school for you, that that isn't going to be good in the long run for you. You want to be taking your time and and doing it at your pace really when you feel ready as well yeah absolutely so the next one that we wanted to move on to is how to apply the nitty-gritty so most of the schools that will be advertising vacancies will have a job description and a personal specification now these are really really useful documents that you should have a really good read of because it gives you the detail the exact details of what the school is looking for and usually on there, they will be saying if they if the vacancy is open to ECTs as well, because some jobs, some schools, they, they aren't. Um, so you need to be checking for that. It's not always the case. They might not advertise, but you might want to email and, and just check. Um, but I would, yeah, I would have a read of those, especially the personal specification, as this allows you to tailor your personal statement to everything that they want. If they are talking specifically about how they want someone to be really organised, it would be a really good top tip to be dedicating a good couple of sentences of, of really um, good writing, detailing how organised you are and examples of how you've been organised in your training year, as that's what they're going to be looking for. Oh, yeah. Always give examples. Always, always relate it to what you have done as well. If you are, if you have been assisting your mentor in a certain activity, you can put that, but then I would also really go into detail of what you have actually done um, in that role and what you yourself has done and, and how you can show um, that attribute. Um, the next thing, there will be an application form. Now, sometimes that will be on, say, the local council website. You might be able to download the application form straight away. Sometimes it says that they would like you to email the school and they will then send you an application. So you just need to check what you are required to do. And then the application form will generally go through your personal details, your education history, past employment, all those little um, information boxes that you need to fill in. That I always think take the most amount of time as well. Um, and then a personal statement, which is usually around an A4 size document explaining your experience, what you've done, how you made an impact and why you are a really good fit for that vacant position. So yeah. once you Oh, once, sorry, Ashley. No, it's all right. I, I just wanted to do a plug here. And when I say a plug, I will say we are going to mention some resources here. 
These are free resources that we have created genuinely with the best intention of helping trainees. Um, so the first one I'd like to mention is we have a resource specifically about writing a personal statement. Mm -hmm. And that was based on doing lots of sessions with trainees last year and kind of spotting common issues with their personal statements. We will have that linked in the description for you, but that is absolutely free. You just need a Twinkle account, but it does not need to be a paid account to download that one. Sorry, Ashley. No, don't, no, don't worry. I was, I was coming to the end of my sentence anyway, so don't worry. But no, I'd definitely check out that resource as I think from speaking to trainees, the personal statement is a little bit of the um, the anxious point when you're applying. You're wanting it to sound good. You're wanting it to sound professional and to hit all of the criteria in the personal specification that the school has provided. So, yeah, check it out. Have a look. Um, get a friend to read it. Get a person, if you know anyone in education, give it a read. But, but yeah, um, we're always here to help with that as well. Okay, right. So now we're coming on to another one we get asked a lot. Mm -hmm. How do you know if a school is a good fit for you? And there are a few factors here and <laughs> there can also be some warning signs. There are definitely some things I wish I'd known to ask when I was job hunting. Okay. Uh, so the first factor I've got down here is fairly obvious. It's location. Now, some teachers are happy to live right near a school and see the children outside every day and, you know, sort of see them down the shops. <laughs> I was not one of those teachers. I lived a good half an hour drive away from my school. Very rarely saw anyone from work outside of work. And I was happy with that. And I liked <laughs> my drive in. I liked listening to my audio books and it kind of gave me time to decompress. W were you near your school, Ashley? Or so I've had a mixture. So I've, I've been about 20 minutes away where, you know, the, the local sort of city centre, you, you do bump into them. Um, but my last school, I live across the road from. So I had, well, sort of about a two minute walk and on my street I have about three different houses that students live in so it's it's very very local um which does come with its obvious positives and negatives and I think the less I'll say about that the better <laughs> Yeah, I mean it it's a personal thing I will say a word of caution you know sometimes we see a school that's maybe a little further away than we would have liked. Maybe it's nearly an hour away, but mm -hmm. we really like the school. And we think, oh, well, that's not that bad. But doing that commute twice a day, every day, when you know the weather's bad, when it's winter, when there's snow on, that can really um, be quite draining. So do you think about your commute carefully, um, even if you really like... Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say with location as well, like Simeon was saying, you also want to be thinking of the terrain that the school might be on. If the school is in the countryside and little winding roads and things, that could be brilliant. But yeah, the weather might be quite precautious. Um, yeah, for that. Yeah. Something so okay. Uh, precarious? That's the one, precarious. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I thought was... <laughs> okay. Uh, so the next factor I got, it's kind of a similar thing, the size of the school. Now, I always wanted to work in a little country primary because I went to a little country primary as a child and I loved it and I kind of wanted that vibe. But I wasn't thinking as an adult. I kind of had this idealistic picture in my mind and I'm not knocking little country primaries if you want to work there. But a larger school will have more people who can support you. So I would say if you're looking at small schools, just make sure 
you feel like you can get along with the staff there and there is going to be someone there to support you. Um, large schools that you're much more likely to get support with your planning and be able to do joint planning and things like that. But the drawback might be it, it might take more time to feel part of that community. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, I've worked in a one form and a four form. So I definitely know the differences between those. Um, and the four form, you definitely got more support um, planning, but you generally have a little, feel like you have a little bit less of an impact when you're in the smaller schools. You do feel like you are um, one of few. So yeah, your, your voice seems a little bit louder sometimes in a, in a smaller school, but yeah, there are drawbacks for, for both. Uh, yeah, my next one is actually on support because if you're going in um, to your induction period, now two-year induction period as an ECT, it's going to be important for you to have support, to have a mentor you can work with and for the school to kind of be understanding that you're still developing and you're not the finished article yet and to work with you to develop you into the kind of teacher you want to be. And I know that's that sounds like something every school should be doing, but in my experience, not all schools are supportive. And it, it's not, it, I think it's a fair question to ask, how do you support um, ECTs? How, how do you support NQTs? What do you have in place? I don't think that will put a school off if you ask that. No, definitely not. I think it's a legitimate question. Yep. Okay. And then I've got a couple more. I've got career progression. Um, again, with a larger school, you might have more opportunities to move into different roles. Um, with a smaller school, this is interesting. You might get a faster career progression because generally small schools, they need everyone to do everything. You know, I'm, I ended up managing kind of like several subjects and doing clubs and all this <laughs> stuff. And it's, it's lovely. Um, but then there are there are fewer roles kind of higher up in senior management mm -hmm. because you generally only have two people in a smaller school. So um, I hit a bit of a ceiling later on. Um, so you might you might want to think about where you see your career heading in five years. Do you want to be moving into SLT? Do you want to be leading a subject, or are you quite happy to just um, work on your teaching and just? become a really confident class teacher okay and my, my last one now you see what you think about actually i have two i'm sorry ashley this is <laughs> no, really no. Long. it's important but, but i have one and a warning so my warning one is again want to be careful how you ask it but if a teacher's left post mm -hmm. why did they leave and have a lot of teachers left recently are multiple jobs being advertised at this mm -hmm. school or is there a pattern of teachers leaving because if i had asked that before i started my job i would have realized the school was not quite as i thought it was mm -hmm. no i completely agree and i think i think schools are getting a little bit uh, they're sort of cottoning on to that a little bit because with, with my last school there was one job advertised but they took on multiple people because there are actually multiple positions. So it might be, it might not be so obvious by the jobs that they are posting, but yeah, I, I think, I think asking that question, if you feel brave enough to ask would be so beneficial for you just to get an understanding um, and, and to know what, have a little window into what your life might be like once you've joined the school. Yeah. I mean, if you can, 
if you have some time at lunch, talk to staff and just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, see if you can get an honest idea of what things are actually like at the school. I think most staff will want to be honest with you and they won't want to missell you on on the place you're applying for. Um, And my final thought was the actual pedagogy of the school, because not all schools expect you to teach in the same way. Some Mm -hmm. are very scheme heavy, some are very almost tick boxy and you have to do it this way. You have to use these resources. You have to use this behavior management system and others are very, very free. And you might have to end up creating everything bespokely, um, which is what I ended up having to do. And it's not the easiest thing as an NQT or an ECT to do. Mm-hmm. Especially it depends on that. It, what kind of the size of the school as well if you are in a one-form school and it's going to be just you doing the planning and everything needs to be done in a bespoke manner obviously you need to be thinking about that and and then that's when the support networks of that school are going to be really really important to you if there are people that you think that you could ask and get along with yeah and you should probably also uh, i I see, I feel like I'm giving people advice where they're going to be the awkward person at the interview. But you might want to ask what your school's doing to cut down on workload and kind of what the planning expectations are, because you you might get a nasty surprise if you find out the school expect all your week's lesson plans are on the public server every, every Monday morning. And if you don't do that, that's a problem. And I, I have known schools to be that way. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's really... It's one of those things, asking questions at an interview that are that is really, really nerve-wracking. Um, and we've been there. We know how it feels. But from experience, any the interviewer likes you to be asking questions. So if you are confident to do so and you would like to ask a question, it can't hurt and, it, and you're going to benefit from getting that information so you understand exactly what is going to be expected of you, which is always going to benefit you. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's got to be a good fit for both Mm -hmm. sides. It really has to be a good fit for you as well. And I know it can seem like we have to get a job, um, but you shouldn't be put in a position where you're working somewhere um, and you're getting a nasty surprise or you're working somewhere where you don't agree with a lot of the policy. Yeah, and and it's only going to come back to bite you really in the long term if, if you are sort of accepting a job that you don't fundamentally sit right with. If you think that you're going to have issues, then it might feel great to have a job sorted in the short term, but six months, a year, five years down the line, if, if that school isn't the right one for you, you will, you will know it. Um, so you, you, it, 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 I feel like I'm putting a lot of pressure, like it's got to be the perfect job, but you've just got to put certain things in, in place to try and make sure it's as good as it could be for you. Yeah, I don't think there's a perfect job. Um, I think I think good fit is what to go for. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Adam won't mind me saying your your induction period is incredibly important. Uh, he had a lot of trouble on his induction period. He's spoken about it before on the podcast. Um, and I think if he were here, he'd definitely say to not just consider getting a job, but consider the next two years after mm-hmm. you've got this job. Yeah. No, definitely. Right, I'll we'll move on from this. <laughs> so the net the the one that thing that I wanted to be talking about is again I think it's a worry for many trainees and ECDs, especially around this time of year, is how competitive it can be, 
finding a job. And teaching vacancies are very competitive. And it, it links back to what Simeon was saying before, really. Teachers have to give a lot of notice on when they want to leave a job so that they can get a, a different one. But it does shorten the window. It's not like you can really that you can pick up a job, a teaching job at any point in the year. Obviously, there may be maternity or, or illness or things where they might prop up, but they're going to be quite rare. Um, so I did do a little bit of research and I'm not going to go too uh, in detail with the numbers and I don't want to worry anybody. Um, but on the Gov website, that, like I was saying before, it does show all of the primary and secondary vacancies on there. And if you were looking on just a numbers point of view, it would look like there would be more secondary jobs out there at the moment. But you've got to consider what, how specific a, a secondary position is, because obviously secondary teachers, you are going for a subject. So if you are going to be a science secondary school teacher, there might be thousands of jobs on there, but you're looking just for the science vacancies. Um, so it is quite competitive in that standpoint. And then primary jobs, you are obviously covering all bases, but as a trainee and an ECT, you are going to be competing against other people um, in your position. But also, like we were saying before, teachers, they move between jobs, they might move um, areas and they might be just getting a normal um, year four teaching jobs, for example. So you can be um, competing against quite a few other people, which is why it's important to be trying to get that job application nailed on and looking really, really professional. I, I will just say, Ashley, because I, I've been asked this. Um, so a lot of people have asked, you know, how many applicants might there be for a, a typical teaching job? And um, we talked to a head teacher friend of ours, Oliver, who runs the leaders segment at Twinkle now. And he was primary, but he said typically he'd have between 50 and 100 applications for a primary teaching post wow. so when we say competitive have that kind of number in mind yeah. um, and that that's not scare you but that is to say if you get an interview you've done incredibly yeah. well actually you know yeah. um, that that is a big achievement and that's why it's so important not to rush but to make sure your applications are really good and tailored to the school like we were saying before yes you can yeah, have a yeah. generic template where you're putting in, um, if you've done something that you're particularly proud of and you want to be telling every school that you've applied for that, that specific thing, but you need to be looking at the, the specification and tailoring um, your application to that and really highlighting what they wanted. I did just want to quickly move on slightly on a tangent to, for some reason, PE teaching positions seem to be crazy competitive like across yeah they are i don't know yeah. why no i mean i'm from a sporting background and i did want to be a primary pe teacher to begin with that was what i was going to be aiming for and i do have no friends who did a primary pe teaching course specific in pe now there there are some barriers to being a pe teacher in primary and that is simply because you don't really have um subject specific teachers in a primary school you are generally asked to cover every lesson every every lesson so you may struggle to 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 be a specific primary teacher in um in a school because they also get external um companies to come in um 
Go on. Oh, yeah, well, I was just going to say that's what my school did. But obviously that made it very hard for anyone who wanted to run PE because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was all taken care of for us. Yeah, my, literally my first school as well when I was at then NQT, I was really excited to do PE lessons. I knew how to do them. Um, I'd had a volunteering experience and then, yeah, it was it was outsourced. And that was when I had my PPA and I didn't get to do a single PE lesson, which was a bit devastating. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I know. I, it was okay. I did after school clubs. I got, I got to it that way. Um, but yeah, again, in secondary, I, I don't know. Why there, there just seems to be a love out there to be a to be a PE teacher, um, and that then manifests in how competitive it can be. So again, if you are looking um, to be a secondary PE teacher, yeah, I, I would be really looking at your application and making sure that it's specific to the school so you can stand out. Yeah, and possibly highlighting areas where you can help the school beyond PE. You know, if you have ICT skills, for example, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're doing quite well. I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, So I'm just going to move on to some tips and kind of some of our former podcasts and resources. I did just want to touch on um, something else I read on Twitter this Mm. week. Um, So a trainee wanted to start applying, but they were really worried about rejections. Uh, And I felt for them because I mm-hmm. hate getting rejected um, mm-hmm. for jobs and things. I really do. Uh, but given the number I just mentioned of how many typical applicants there might be for a teaching post, rejection's pretty much a part of the game unless you're very lucky or very good at writing applications. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Ashley? I, I think, yeah, like you were saying, it is part and parcel really and definitely how you apply as well so if if you go for a specific route and you only put a couple of applications out there because you've really looked at the schools and these are the couple that you want you um it's it's hard to to find the balance between applying to enough so you're covering all bases and being specific to the school but yeah the rejection is part and parcel of it and i think if you are lucky enough to get any sort of advice or suggestions or, or feedback on maybe why um, you didn't go through to the next round, then that would be perfect because then you can obviously adapt and change your application and improve it. It's it, for, the, for me, it was the ones that I heard nothing back from. Those hurt. Those hurt because I was checking my emails a lot and you just you don't hear anything back. But that is rare. I, from my experience, I did get a little bit of feedback from every school which yeah. was good that's good i mean i i always phoned and asked for feedback oh, um, did some, you? yeah yeah but <laughs> I'm, I'm pushy like that but sometimes you get it sometimes you, i mean the worst they've already said you can't have the job that you know the worst they can say is no sorry we don't do feedback so uh i think um, i'm socially yeah. awkward for that i don't know i, I never did that yeah. Well, one school actually told me, um, we really liked you in person because I'd gone for a visit um, and you were one of our front runners until we saw your application and we couldn't put you through. But wouldn't, wouldn't you know it, that was the best bit of feedback I got because um, when a job came up at my placement school, I sweated over that application and I got the job. Because I was so so scared of that happening to me again. I was like, I'm going to make this application perfect. Amazing. I mean, 
the fact that they came out and said that, I don't know how I would, I don't know how I'd spin that to positive in my head. So the fact that you did, that that's yeah. kudos to you. Yeah, I mean, it might sound trite, but it's it's kind of one of those bigger picture things. At the time, I must have been really bummed out by that. I, I mm-hmm. must have that must have hurt, and I'm not going to pretend it didn't. But the road it put me on got me mm-hmm. the job, you know. Yeah. So now, looking back on it, I don't really care. I have no no feelings towards that rejection other than oh, I'm glad that happened. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean, that's that's easier said from a place of looking back on it. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have, in terms of resources, a lot of stuff, but there's one in particular I'd like to just highlight for everyone. Um, we created last year based on, uh, we ran a job hunting events last year, a week-long event, and we did mock interviews. Uh, we did um, application critiques. We did a lot of interaction with people applying for jobs. And after that, we created a resource called the Job Hunting Mega Pack for trainee teachers and ECTs. And basically, it's got all of our best stuff in. It's got our personal statement tips, sample interview questions, an interview plan. It's got infographics, including one on how to find the right school for you. And it's got links to our three podcasts we've recorded. Um, previously on job hunting, including the head teacher's point of view one with Oliver, and that is a free resource. I, mm-hmm. I actually think it's one of the best things we have in the trainee teachers um, section. So we will link to that, but I'd really just advise downloading that. I don't know if it will be free forever, but it's definitely going to be free for the rest of this job hunting season. So get it while you can. It's definitely a one-stop shop for anything job hunting that you, you can find whatever your question is you will probably find an answer or at least some helpful tips in that pack it is fantastic yeah and apart from that we are always available ashley and donna are on facebook hannah's mm-hmm. on instagram uh, and tiktok and i'm on twitter I am on Pinterest, but you can't really ask a lot of questions with Pinterest. But if you, <laughs> if you do have a job hunting question or you're just a bit worried, do get in touch with us. Definitely. We also have some Facebook groups as well so that, that are similar names um, to the pages, but that is more of a community feel. So you can put a question out there. We'll try and have, answer you as well, but you can be um, talking to trainees or ECTs that have maybe been through the same experience or are experiencing the same things that you're going through as a bit of moral support. So yeah check those out as well oh and uh just one final thing i mentioned a job hunting event we did last year we are planning to do one again this year so stay tuned for that (laughs) i think we should probably hand over to our our sophie interview now yeah okay so we're here now with sophie and she is a member of our team but she also works primarily as our digest writer so Sophie, I was just wondering if you could explain to our uh, to our audience what Digest is and what you kind of do. Yeah, so Twinkle Digest is a product that started back in the summer um, and it's about keeping educators in the know with what's going on in the world of education news, research, the latest government initiatives, anything that we think, do you know what educators need to know about this, we write about it. Um, So I write articles only for trainee teachers and early career teachers and I'm always keeping my eye on what's going on in the sector that might be of interest to them and how it can benefit them in their training and at the beginning of their career. Um, So I write daily articles about what's going on in in order to help them. Fantastic. Um, Sophie, do you have any articles you'd particularly recommend for new readers? 
Yeah, so I've recently written a series all about um, job hunting, which I know we're going to talk about today. So definitely they're worth a, a look at. There's three in that series. There's one about choosing a school that you want to work in. The second is about submitting a successful application form. And the third is about tackling the dreaded interview day. So they're definitely worth a look. Um, I've also written a lot about mental health and, and burnout for both trainees and ECTs. So there's a post that came out in January about how ECTs can manage their, their workload and their mental health this term. So that's definitely worth dipping into. And the same last term, there was one called The Importance of Self-Care, which is for trainees. So a really hot topic at the moment. Um, I definitely recommend trainees and ECTs take some time to consider their self-care practices. Definitely, 100%. So today's podcast, um, Simeon and I have been talking about the sort of the right at the start of um, job hunting, where to look, when to look, how to choose the best school. I know you've just mentioned that one of your articles, you know, you've done your job hunting series and one of them is um, how to choose a school. But what, what would your top sort of tips be or any advice for the trainees on sort of that first process, that first part of the inter- of the job hunting process? I think we live in an age where you can find out information about anything. So spending time scouring the internet, looking at the school's webpage, looking at the school's social media, doing a Google search of them to see if anything comes up. That's such an important part of the process because you can start to get an understanding of a school's ethos, of their culture, um, just from the literature that's available online. So I think really kind of almost being a bit of a stalker (laughs) and and stalking the schools that are in your area. Um, You can look, you can find a whole list of the schools available in your area through the government. They have a, it's called Government Find Schools. And you can search your, you can type in your postcode and it will bring up all of the schools near you um, based on distance. So if you were thinking, I know I'm going to be living in a certain location, I don't want a commute of more than a certain number of miles, you can then pinpoint the schools in your area, then go through those schools, um, looking at their web pages, their social media and so on, and kind of start your own investigation process really of, <laughs> of the schools in, in your area. That's an amazing tip, Sophie. And I just wanted to say the inverse is true. The school can Google you. So do do make sure your social media is looking, you know, professional. Absolutely. And that's something that employers are really hot on, on looking at how you come across in the online world. So check the privacy of your of your settings and things on your on your social media and make sure that those photos of you from university five years ago with a drink in your hand are not publicly available to everyone. Definitely. I, I remember being at university and being told that and everyone the next day, everyone's names were slightly different on Facebook and different things just to make sure that they're all a bit more private. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you gave some fantastic tips there, Sophie. So thank you very much um, uh, for that. And I, and I know that that's going to be really, really useful for our listeners. So it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and um, Sophie, while we've got you, um, Ashley and I are both primary teachers, primarily. Uh, so I was wondering... Is it different for secondary teachers doing job hunting? What What's the difference and what advice can you offer? I think with secondary schools, you get a real mix in terms of size, for example. So I worked in two incredibly large schools and actually 
I think that was something that I struggled with. So I think you should think about the size of the school that you want to work in because you can get secondary schools uh, schools with about 600, 700 pupils or a school I worked in, there were 2,500. So that's something to really consider. Do you want to be in a smaller school community, in a small department, or do you want to be a part of a larger school or a school that's part of a larger trust? Because schools that are part of big trusts trust might have more career progression opportunities and that sort of thing. So there's a lot to consider with secondary schools because, I mean, I know this is the case with primaries as well, but every school is such a different individual community. So you've really got to do your research in in kind of what it's like because you could have two very different schools within five miles of each other. So again, it's starting at that initial research stage. And that government website, I suggested the find schools one it, it tells you their Ofsted rating it tells you the number of pupils it tells you the EAL pupils the SEM pupils the average wage of the teachers it tells you all of that information so it's a really good place to start amazing I've never heard of that so that's amazing I might just start doing a bit of snooping with the ones that are near me <laughs> so Sophie just before we let you go I understand you've got another tip for us about the length of lessons you might be asked to teach at interview yeah, so particularly in secondary schools, you you shouldn't go in with any expectation about the length of lesson because every school is so individual with this. So I, in my teaching career, I was hired by two different schools. In my first school, which was the school I got my NQT or ECT role in, the lesson I had to teach was only 10 minutes. And I kind of said, why, why is it so short? And they were just focusing on my interaction with the students. They gave me a really small group. It was about eight year 11 students it was a revision lesson and it was an intervention lesson and they just wanted to see how I handled that the second school I worked in I had an hour long interview lesson so I had to do the entire lesson from start to finish so the opposite end of the spectrum and they wanted to see kind of the whole picture and and how I would create a lesson through starter main activity plenary and everything together so really when you're going for those interviews don't even if you go for a few never think oh this will be like the last one I did because every school is so so different with what they're looking for, uh, for from you that's really helpful. Thank you, Sophie. Uh, we'll have to end it there. But if you if you enjoyed hearing Sophie's thoughts and you'd like to learn more about her articles, do click on the links below. We'll put them in the description. And you can find Sophie's Digest articles. We post them daily on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we also post a weekly catch up, which is a really nice way to just look at the most important educational highlights and tips from the week. And you, you can just do that on your Sunday morning with your coffee is how I generally read them. Um, right, Ashley. Now, next month, I think we'll put out a poll mm-hmm. to sort of see what people want to discuss. But I have a feeling job hunting might still be a hot topic. I can imagine so. Um, I, I'm thinking we might delve deep into the application process. If that's something you'd be interested in, listeners, do let us know because I'd be quite happy to discuss that, especially personal statements. And as always, you can always get in touch with us via our many social media platforms. So we have two pages on Facebook. We have the Twinkle Trainee Teachers page. We have the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs page as well. And you can find us on Instagram at the Twinkle Trainee Teachers. And we are over on TikTok as well with the same name, Twinkle Trainee Teachers.
We're also on Twitter at Trainee Twinkle. And Sophie, I believe you're on Twitter as well. Do you want, do you want to drop your Twitter handle? Yep. So you can follow me at Sophie Digest um, and I'll post everything I write on there every day. Brilliant. Uh, we are on Pinterest at Twinkle Trainee Teachers, no E or one word. And this episode will be going out on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, thanks to Ashley. And uh, our, our main hub for our podcast is Red Circle. Thank you so much for listening and do let us know what you'd like us to cover next month. Goodbye. See you. Bye. Bye.